Today's episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and favorite app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. Go to SeatGeek.com slash BS to start using SeatGeek. Hey, WWE fans, lots of WrestleMania 32 tickets on there. Don't forget to download the free SeatGeek app and our promo code BS. SeatGeek sends you $20 upon your first purchase. Today's episode is also brought to you by Simply Safe. There's no better way to protect your home. Remember, any home security company that says it's free has a huge contract and conditions attached. Simply Safe has no long-term contracts and the best 24/7 protection possible for $14.99 a month. Visit simplysafebill.com to get my 10% off discount. Today's podcast is also brought to you by my new website, The Ringer. Don't forget to subscribe to our upcoming newsletter at The Ringer. Dot com and follow us on Twitter at Ringer, and we're off. Yeah, clear enough. It's a little Monday rolling. Monday morning rolling. <laughs> yeah. We we rolled last Monday. We'll roll again this Monday. Yeah. We'll roll any day of the week for real. We're gonna roll all the time. Uh, this is Joe House on the line later. Alan yeah. Sepinwall coming. I haven't talked to you since we launched the uh, the Ringer You excited? I was thrilled. I mean, another place for me um, to write corny jokes about uh, the Washington Wizards and, and um, pastrami sandwiches. I'm I in. I know. If we had had our newsletter ready in time, we could have had a post-trade dad- deadline newsletter where you could have written stuff about Markeith Morris. Well, I wrote uh, 140 characters um, in six different tweets. That's about all that I had on that one anyway. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about that in a second. Let's talk about the Warriors first. I went to the Warriors Clipper game on Saturday night. It was on ABC and I brought my daughter who does not miss the Warriors when they're in town because she loves Steph Curry. It was a weird game. The The refs really sucked. The refs were terrible. It was three refs that I haven't really seen on, on a big stage in a game like that before. And there was a little drama because the Warriors had gotten their asses kicked the night before for their, yep. for their fifth loss of the season. Dame Lillard uh, basically eviscerated them. And, you know, all of a sudden the 73 win thing, it was looking like their first back-to-back losses of the year, potentially all this stuff. Clips came out, disjointed game, and then uh, and then the infrastructure just went out. The Warriors are really, 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 really good at basketball. Did you watch that game? I did. I watched the whole thing. Um the word for the Warriors to me is relentless, but I want to do a very quick shout-out to Dame Lillard. So that was an awesome performance right after the All-Star break. Dame sending a message, and, and the, I already uh, made this observation. Hey, James Harden, suck on this. This is what it looks like against the best team in the league. I'm going to drop it like it's hot from all over the joint. And he did it, and it was awesome. I... Um, saw on Twitter that it was heated up and I went jumped over to League Pass to watch a little bit of it. It was he, he did a curry on curry. I loved it. It was so good. He so did. ballsy. I like that the that the Warriors got a little salty about uh that they were getting a little too excited during that game, Portland. The Warriors nobody nobody gets more excited and struts and does all that stuff more than the Warriors do. But that's right, especially that bench. I mean the bench is jumping up on the when it's you know, it's six to four and, and uh Clay Thompson nails a three. All the benches all look right. crazy. Take it easy, Warriors. Take it easy. Damn. But yeah, I watched that game um, Saturday night. I thought, why did the refs call it so close at the beginning? I don't know. They took it out. And what's weird is they were calling it super close, and yet Chris Paul is allowed to just demolish anyone he's defending. 
He is the handsiest. I tweeted this during the game, and it, and it, it, I don't know if it translates on TV as much as it does in person. He is the handsiest person, and he just starts doing it from the first from the first quarter on. And the refs can either call it right away or they have to let it go. And once they let it go, that's it. He's all over. He's molesting Curry during yeah, these the games. Yeah, the move that, that he makes on Curry is is like a line of scrimmage chuck. He, yeah. he squares them up and he chucks them right at right at the like the top of the um, the free throw circle. He holds them. He grabs his jersey. He pushes them. He touches them. He's just always kind of touching them and making them uncomfortable. And then uh, on the other end. He's really physical. Like he he kind of tries to lurch into Curry because they the Clips always try to get Curry to get a couple fouls early. But I I will say watching this is the second time I've seen these teams play in person this year. And then last year when Curry had his had his MVP run, I noticed this as well. I think the whole thing pisses Chris Paul off. I think yeah he carries he takes himself it personally, right? Yeah. It goes beyond that. I think he thinks he's better than Steph Curry. I think he's annoyed by this whole thing. The way he carries himself and the way he treats Curry is almost like Curry's on his corner. It's like Chris oh. Paul's the last person who realizes that Steph Curry is the best player in basketball. Chris Paul really thinks he's better than Steph Curry. That was my takeaway from watching it for two and a half hours. I love it. Yeah, I, mean, I you did know, too. The, the, the Clippers through force of will made it possible to have a shot to tie the game at the end of the game. And that yeah, was, just, was gone. just will. That wasn't, um, you know, uh, anything but effort. We we had left at that point. It was a 12-point game with three minutes left, and Curry was out. And I had no idea that the Warriors, uh, A, almost blew the game, and B, did not cover. And That was amazing. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. So um, I don't know if this is a huge problem. And I don't think it would hurt them in a seven-game series. But it does seem like they have trouble sometimes, the Warriors, defending these these quick point guards who can get hot. And, well, you know. I watched it in person with John Wall. I mean, the reason that, that um, the Washington almost bullets hung in with the Warriors, the outcome was never in doubt, but Wall torched them. They, right. they had no answer for him. He got to the rim relentlessly. Yeah, there's never we're never going to have a perfect basketball team. Right. But every all these teams, all the great teams, have always had a hole or two, and I, it does seem like that's their hole. And you know, we, when you think about what this team is going to do during the regular season, can they roll off one of the best playoff runs ever? Can can they go? I don't know, eighty nine and ten, something like that. Can they get to ninety wins wow. um, for regular season plus playoffs? You hear Doug, me? I'm knocking on wood right now. Just knock. Yeah. Come on, guys. Stay healthy. That's it. Knock Not, on wood. I mean, 90 wins isn't inconceivable. Not inconceivable. You get 16 for the playoffs, so they'd have to go 74 and nine. Yep. And you 74 know, and eight. Is 74 and eight right? Yeah. So conceivably, they could go 90 and 10 or 90 and nine, even if they rip through the playoffs. I do not think that they're going to break the Bulls' record. How about that for a hot take? Okay. Why not? Um, how's some glad you asked? <laughs> Here are their tough games left. They have two against OKC. One against February 27th in OKC. One at home March 3rd. Is it fair to say they're going to split those? I don't know. Did you just watch OKC? Yeah. Uh, re- re- recency bias morning. 
Eh. Recency bias warning. Did you watch the last two games of OKC? Um, Tate, is your mic on? I just heard you snicker. Turn your mic off. Oh, sorry. Oh, Tate wants in. <laughs> Tate's right. Let him in. Tate, we'll come to you and we'll turn you. We'll tell you when to turn your mic on. Rookie mistake by Tate. He's all excited. Tate fired up after the North Carolina thing last week. You He's, guys gave him all that time on no, the ringer. We're gonna call on Tate because there's a couple of things we're gonna hit him with. But nice. Okay, see, I I I didn't get I didn't get too carried away from that game because um, sometimes their their three through twelve guys just suck. Well, it wasn't one game. It was two games. The OKC? Yeah, but lost to the Pacers at home with a lead in the fourth quarter. Lost to Cleveland at home. Yeah, that's not, not competitive. When you're when your supporting guys are up and down, like you can't ask Durant and Westbrook to just win sixty five games by themselves, you know? Well anyway. I think anyway. they can, I think they can split okay. I think they're gonna split one of those two. Sure, fine. March eighteenth, March nineteenth. They're at Dallas at San Antonio back to back. Feels like Tough. a split. Feels like a split. Now we're at seven losses. Utah, March 30th, second game of a back-to-back away. And then in uh, uh, second week of April, Memphis 4-9, San Antonio 4-10, both away. Now, one more X factor. They haven't lost at home yet. They haven't right. played that just that random shit game at home. They actually played the shit game at home that they should have lost to Brooklyn. Brooke Lopez missed like a little two-footer at the end of the game. And that was also the one where Iggy hit a three with five seconds left, like some yeah, off incredible balance. three. Yeah, yeah, that was the shit game at home they should have lost. So they're due. And if you if you factor that in, and they have a lot of home games left, and I'm I'm not sure which one will be the one. They also they, their schedule is a little stacked. They didn't play a lot of games compared. Like the Celtics have played, I think fifty seven games already. Uh-huh. Um, so right, I don't they know. Only played fifty four. And and the last part is. The Draymond Clay or Steph injury, if they get one, you know, a little sprained ankle for a week, little calf right. strain. That that's the one I'm knocking on wood for. I don't right. I don't want that to happen, but th- th- that happens. That's basketball. Right. So they have they're 49 and five right now. They have 28 games left, and they basically have to go uh, 24 and four. Yeah. Actually, to beat the Bulls, they'd have to go 25 and three. I don't know. I don't see it. I would bet against it. I don't know what the odds are, but I would bet against it. You would bet for it, it sounds like. No, they only need to win 24 games to beat the Bulls. 73 beats Oh, yeah, you're right. 73 beats the Bulls. My bad. So 24 and 4. Yeah, that's that's pretty... Um, I'm I'm just not ready at this point to rule it out. I'm not ruling anything out with with, with this team. I mean, you know, it remains to be seen whether we get a rolled ankle or um, somebody comes down with the flu... Speaking of the flu, God, it's too hard. I need to get over this. I'm done. But you know, it's it's uh, we don't know what we don't know, and um, those will be the things that derail it. Uh, the schedule um, stuff that you just described, I'm not blown away by the challenge of the Utah game, so I wouldn't count that as. Um, you know what game I didn't? Them. You know what game I didn't mention? What Celtics Friday night four one? Oh yeah. Where where is that? It's in Golden State. Oh yeah, I wouldn't. That's not. I'll tell you what team's going to show up with a lot of fight in their hearts: the Boston Celtics on Mar- on April first. <laughs> so, uh, another thing I noticed from that Clipper game, and that granted, no Blake Griffin, who didn't play because he punched the equipment manager in the face repeatedly and broke his hand, 
That but, happened? Yeah, he wasn't in the game. Uh, like. Draymond just goes at DeAndre. <clears throat> I know DeAndre finished with uh, he good stats, but it didn't reflect what I actually watched in person at the game. Draymond just went at him. He was doing He was strutting around with Draymond Swagger. Jay-Z and Beyonce were there. So Draymond from like the first three minutes was just chest puffed out doing his whole doing his whole thing. And uh, I, Well, that's where the true, um, I think it's slightly underrated. One of, of um, to me, Draymond's true assets is how fast he is. Yeah. DeAndre couldn't keep up with him. Draymond kept penetrating. He kept getting the ball at the free throw line. He had a choice of pass, shoot, or penetrate. And a bunch of times he penetrated, and DeAndre could not keep up with that first step. He just kept attacking him. And I I just don't think you're going to beat the Warriors with DeAndre Jordan. I don't see it. I, I don't think anyone is going to beat this team unless they just match that the match the smaller guy lineup. I don't think you beat this team with a center. They're just too good at exploiting whoever. And you know, I think like the destiny of OKC. I don't know what like what five OKC crunch time guys would you want against this team? I mean, I just OKC is a terrible matchup. I just don't see them. I, I conceded the split for the purposes of the argument about. 73 wins or not. But you think it's a terrible matchup for, for who? OKC. OKC. They just really? I, I don't think you can you can name a five. That, that's well, they, um, God, they good screwed, enough. They screwed it up again. God forbid they got a fifth guy for their crunch time five. But Westbrook's a bad matchup for this for this uh, Warriors team, and they can go Duran Abaca as their two big the, guys. The Warriors have, have shown that they're willing to let even two players try and beat them. Yeah. Right? They'll, they'll let Durant and Westbrook have theirs. Both of those guys can can combine for sixty five or seventy points. The Warriors don't care. They dare the rest of OKC to beat them. And so far, OKC isn't even really that competitive. If you in the games we've seen, if you were OKC, would you have offered? What was that noise? You really are sick. Did you just blow your nose? No, no, no. Oh. I don't think that was me. Oh, all right. Uh, if you were OKC, would you have offered Brooklyn um, kind of a little bit of a godfather offer for Brook Lopez? Maybe a little Cantor, Dion Waiters, your number one pick. Um, I, I think it's too late. This, this trade deadline um, for the, the the teams that are really in contention, it wasn't the, the kind of um, trade deadline where it seemed like it, may, it would make sense for you know the, the top four or five teams. To, to greatly alter the, the chemistry. You wouldn't have tried I to get Brooke Lopez? Made the decision. Huh? You wouldn't have tried to get Brooke Lopez? That guy's playing great this year. He's single-handedly murdering the Celtics pick. He's won He's six having, Nets games by himself. Oh, OKC has been on on a, a, a crazy tear. I think they're now like 16-5 and five or 15-5 and five over their last like you know 20-some games. They've been great. I don't know how you take a player like Lopez and seamlessly incorporate him in um, without taking some lumps on on uh, you know w- w- what the identity of the team is, and Billy Donovan has, to his credit, I think been <laughs> this is going to sound um, this is going to sound like faint praise, but um, he's been better than Scotty Brooks on the offensive side of things. No, nah, there's no question. But you just told me you didn't like the way they played the last two games. I I I, I did not like the way they, they they played the last two games, but I just don't think you can make a great big. 
um, change in, in, in chemistry at this point in the season when you're on the brink, you know, you're one of the top four or five teams. It's just too much risk to me. That's fair. I, the, the biggest missed opportunity of the trade deadline was I really think Portland should have traded for Dwight Howard. That's I, interesting. I, I, th- that trade was just sitting there. It was Miles Plumley and somebody else, and you saved the Rockets a ton of money, and you just make kind of a half-hearted, let's see what it looks like, three-month run. Because the way their two guards are playing, it's it's it, this feels a little sacrilegious, but it's starting to remind me a little of the KJ Hornacek Suns. Remember that? Oh, Going way back, like 89, 90, when it it was just like these two guards and they're just going to score 50 points a game and and do stuff and get the crowd into it and really hard to match up. And they made a little run. I think it was 90 when they made a run. I think they made the conference finals. But It's pretty crazy with the Blazers. 538 has them projected out at 43 and 39 and a 91% chance of making the playoffs. And so your, your thesis, why not get Dwight, rent him for three months, See what kind of noise we can make in the playoffs. We have an excellent chance of making the playoffs. We're, we're, we're really clicking. Dwight could be an addition, and that's not a, a situation where I would worry about the chemistry aspect of it. And then you come to the offseason, and as long as the, the price was fair, you know, I, I, I'm not sure uh, if you could do it with, who'd you say, Miles Plumley and who else? Mason Plumley. They have one Mason. of the plumbers. I, I think they have there's Mason. Too many. There's Marshall, Miles, Mason. Just too many. I can't. Come it's on. it's a rental. You're yeah. renting Dwight for three months. You're seeing what it looks like, seeing if he clicks, seeing if the soccer moms can get him going. You know, so I'm very focused on the tail end of the Western Conference because the Celtics have Dallas's pick. Yeah. It's top seven protected. Dallas is 30 and 27. We're taping this on a Monday morning. Portland's 29 and 27. Houston's 28 and 28 in the eighth seed. And then Utah's 27 and 28. And I think Utah's going to make a run because they're finally healthy. And the Portland Utah last night was excellent. I don't know if you saw that one, but the uh, fourth quarter of that one was was really good. And, and I think both of those teams are playoff teams. I think Dallas is going to drop out. I, I oh, just, you think Dallas, not Houston, will be the one that drops out? I think Dallas is going to drop out. I think Houston's gonna gonna play better as the year goes along because Harden. I I know you took a shot at him earlier, but I still think Harden's one of the best seven guys in the league. I mean, you just just watch them just game to game. All the stuff he does for that team, he's one of the best seven eight offensive player. He's definitely one of the best five offensive players. But I think from an impact standpoint, he's in the top eight. Yeah, I'm just angry with him. That's all. I, I don't know dispute you are. anything having to do with with his talent or what he brings to the table. He's the only guy on that team. Uh, he's he is the engine. There's no other engine on that team, which confounds me. Still, can I but, defend um, him for a second? Go ahead. Um, he made the mistake of dating Khloe Kardashian. We talked about that. And and Dwight Howard's his teammate, and he's got a weird team with a bunch of guys that I'm not sure who's good on that team. Like just go go guy by guy in that team. Ty Lawson's not good. Well, Beverly used to be good. What happened? Beverly got hurt last year, and he's fine. Montezunas can't stay healthy. He was yeah, a hurt. big contributor last season. Terrence Jones has been terrible. Terrence Jones has been terrible. Like really terrible. I, I actually thought he was going to be a good basketball player. I thought he was going to be, you know, an on the rise guy. But I, I just Capella's pretty good. I guess. I like Capella, I, yeah, but he's, he's a, pretty just good. a solid role player. But you just go guy by guy. Like, who's good in that team? 
I don't know. Well, they were good last season. That's the thing that's so confusing. I guess. Uh, they played well together. So the Clips are at a real crossroads. And the Jeff Green trade, which I didn't love, and then when I actually watched him in person on Saturday and, and was just kind of seeing how he fit in, and it was a good trade because it was, oh. a, it was a protected pick. And he what he gives them is more important to them than what Lance Stevenson gave them, which is he's got some size. Like they can play small ball four with him. Uh, they posted him up. It's funny because it, after like the fifth Jeff Green ISO, I think he was like one for five on the ISOs. By the fifth one, everyone in my section was grumbling. They were like, all right, <laughs> enough. Because it's bad enough that they have to run plays for DeAndre Jordan on the low post, which are just absolutely a disaster every time. But Jeff Green, not really the greatest uh, ISO guy either. And uh, and they lost. A, the reality is they should have gotten annihilated in that game. But Jamal Crawford made a four-point play. He made a ridiculous three-point. He got hot for like two minutes. And it kind of kept awesome. the clips around. I love around. that version of Jamal Crawford. That gives me a tingle. Yeah. I, I think well, he's the, fool's the, gold. The thing that's crazy, why is Jeff Green so much better than Josh Smith? They they tried. You know, the, the Clippers, to their credit, Doc tried to build a bench entering this season, Josh Smith, you know, propelled the Rockets to the brink of the uh, Western Conference uh, uh, finals just, there. Because he, he, can't, he can't shoot. You can't, you, you can't play him and DeAndre together because neither one of them can shoot. I, the green felt like a better fit. I'm not sure. Oh, here's the other thing. And I said this on, on the podcast on Thursday. Like, I do think he was Blake insurance in case, in case Blake isn't able to come back. But I, the, the whole team, the demeanor of the team, um, the body language, just watching them in the timeouts and stuff, it seems like a team that knows that they don't have it. And, Who, the Clippers? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I thought they, they were – they had a little chip on their shoulder, I thought, that whole game. Nah, Chris did. I don't. I don't oh, okay. think that team did. I think. Well, Reddick was playing his ass off too, and was really angry about the fouls that were getting called. Yeah, on yeah, him. he had some bad calls, and he's played really well this year. I don't know. I just the fans don't feel like they have it. You can just feel it in the stands. Too. Did he though? Well, you were there. You were there. You were feeling the vibe in the building. I don't know if Crawford had a great game. I think he made a couple great shots. Okay. You know, I I think the more they rely on Jamal Crawford, the the more fool's gold it is. I just don't love the team. I I want to like it because I we you know we have tickets. It would be fun to keep going to playoff games. But uh, second, well, what if Blake comes back in April with his First broken shooting hand? First week of April. That's still we're still six weeks out. Crawford had a good quote about this. He was like, basically, this is it. It's year five. Blake's Chris has been here five years. You know, they haven't been made around three yet. I do think there's some urgency. And uh, and I I just don't love DeAndre. Well, they it's acknowledge what it comes the urgency. Would they, have Doc, been, would they have been better ahead. off if they if DeAndre had just signed with Dallas? Am I crazy to think that? Seems unlikely. I, how could they have been better off? It's in, impossible to break out the, the DeAndre variable. <sighs> what would the replacement have been? See, that's how would the they have protected the rim? How would they have rebounded? Now, forget all that stuff. They, they couldn't have replaced them because of the, they were so far right. over the cap. It's almost right. like they were better off getting them, but I, I don't know. I, I don't like what I see. And and I don't. Th- I think the Warriors never for one second thought they were losing that game, which would worry I, me I if agree. I'm the Clips. And I know I they didn't have Blake, that. but it just the whole time they just felt like uh, 
you know, they were there. So the Eastern Conference, the Celtics are uh, in the three spot right now. Mm-hmm. Miami's got this Chris Bosh thing. Who knows what's yeah. going to happen to them? They're four. Indiana is in the five spot. Atlanta's kind of free-falling, all that trade deadline stuff. Uh, you know, it seemed like it screwed them up. And then Charlotte and Chicago are the last two, and Detroit's on the edge. And then there are your Wizards at the 10 spot. Right. You almost had a stroke last week because it seemed like for one second that there was a chance your team might be dumb enough to trade for Dwight Howard, but that didn't happen. That was that was the best thing that happened to me all week last week was that Dwight Howard did not come to Washington. Right, because you actually would have had to give up something for Dwight Howard. You would have had to give up Gortat. It would have been Gortat, that pick, and probably one other guy, maybe somebody like, like Otto Porter or something. Yeah. Just to get to in the neighborhood of the salary. Can you think of a worse fit than than the Wizards fans and Dwight Howard? Oh my God. Well somebody oh the 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 Washington Post beat beat writer observed, um, and I think it was after the comment that John Wall made about the fans getting more excited for a chicken sandwich than for a win, the Washington Post beat writer observed um, how quiet the building is yeah. and, and what a sort of lack of energy. And, I mean, I, I would, you know, my gentle rebuttal is like, okay, after the last 35 years of futility and outsized contracts and very bad luck with health, um, you know, we <laughs> guilty as charged um although when the team is good when the product is good the city shows out i mean when, when we had the little run with um arenas and Karan and and uh antoine jameson and a little bit of a rivalry with cleveland going that was exciting buildings were packed energy was high the last two years the playoffs washington um you know winning in each of the first rounds those playoff crowds have been solid you know not not embarrassing Right. Um, properly attuned to the game. Smart basketball crowd here in the DMV. Um, but, you know, this idea that, that because Washington's kind of Dudsville regular season-wise, uh, and especially any time you get a team like this one that, that has high expectations and comes in and underperforms, people are out. That's a D.C. thing. You, you, you have high expectations and don't meet them, that's it. Nobody goes. Everybody's out. So, um, you know, they're, they're – <laughs> It, it is quiet. Dwight would have been terrible here. Terrible here. People would have been mad. Would you? Mad, mad. Would you have rather traded for, for uh, Tobias Harris or Marquise Morris? I love Tobias Harris. I, I've liked him for a, a long time. Me the too. The difference in age between the two would have um, tipped me towards Tobias. I don't know what the price was, um, whether Washington could have come up with the, with the price to get Tobias. Well, he, he just went for two expiring. So if you'd used the first-round pick, the protected pick you gave for Markeith and thrown the, the Nene expiring, wouldn't that have been a better trade than what Detroit gave up? It, it, on the face of it, yes. I don't know whether or not Washington had any conversations with Orlando. I'm still pissed that Channing Fry is, is somewhere other than here. I've been pissed about it for two years now. Yeah, that is. Although he hasn't been good in two years, so maybe maybe it worked out. Well, for he you. was hurt the season before, and he's yeah. still a plus player um, when he's on the court. You know, uh, for for net rating, he's still a plus player because of the the spacing that he represents. Yeah, and for a team like Washington that had a a um, a, a goal of adopting a, a pace and space, space and pace, you know, style of play. And then brought in players not really capable of effectuating that, uh, and splitting up Nene and Gortat 
you know, as, as a, a defensive force, it's, it, the, the, that plus the injuries for Washington make, makes for this lackluster season. But um, when does Bradley Beal come back? I would prefer back? Tobias is the answer. When does Bradley Beal come back? Because I see a big 33 next to him. That's not nice. I see That's a 33 rude. next to him, which is for games played, which is 21 less than John Wall. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been going on since he entered the league. I mean, when's the first season that he's going to play 82 games or 80 games? Did it give you a boner when you saw John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins sitting next to each other at the slam dunk contest? I I, I, I pretend I don't see things like that. It's too much of a tease. <laughs> I can't handle it. I see it, and I just pretend I didn't see it. Mm. I unsee it. So are we headed for the for the most boring first round in the history of the playoffs? Who knows? We're, we're, there's still give me um, a first round, 30 give me games a, to play. Give me a first-round matchup you're excited about. Let's let, let, let's go through the way these things are. Here, here it is right now. Let's just, say, let's just say it ended right now. Here are your matchups. Cleveland and Chicago. Toronto Boring. and Charlotte, the Celtics and the Hawks, and the Heat oh. and the Pacers. That is a catastrophe. I don't like it. Oh, my God. Those. I'm a Celtics yeah. fan, and I don't want to watch that first round. Yeah. So then uh, the West has Golden State-Houston. Get your broom ready for that one. Yeah. San Antonio-Portland's kind of fun. Portland, wherever Portland Portland's ends fun. Up, yeah, that's I'm in the on one Portland. I'm interested in. Yeah, Portland's fun. I like Portland. Yeah. Portland's turned into a good league pass team. Uh, OKC in Dallas. Jesus. Ah. That's a sweep. And then Clips-Grizzlies. Does, does anyone want to see another Clips-Grizzlies series? Because I know I don't. <laughs> it's like it's the, it's the 30th time of that knockdown drag out Clips-Grizzlies. It's like the homeless man's version of the Knicks Heat series from the, uh, from the late 90s that just never seemed to end. Now we're getting Clippers-Grizzlies for the 90th time. Uh, that is an awful, awful first round. Now, hopefully, some of the matchups will knock around. Yeah, there'll, like a, there'll be some stuff that, that 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 makes it a little interesting. So, what's the most fun team that could play Golden State in round one? I think it's Portland. I agree because I don't think Utah is is ready yet. They're not mature enough. Yeah, they they're down two last night against Portland, and the, with like twenty seconds left. And their play to to try to send it in overtime was to have Derek Favors back up and throw a jump hook off the backboard. I didn't yeah. like it. Wasn't not a, a fan. great one. Yeah, not a fan. Not the not the yeah. one I would have called. Yeah, Utah Golden State would be like the Pelicans Golden State last year. You yeah. know, interesting little some some plot lines, but still sweet. So the Pelicans are six or five games back in the loss column. They're out. You're out. You're right. You're wiping them out. Okay. Out. You said the Pelicans, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was an astounding performance last night by Ed. One for the ages. Did you I see? Thought. Did you see how bad his teammates were in that game? I I did not. I I saw the highlights. I didn't watch it happening live. I'm just gonna give you. Hold on. I'm gonna give you the actual. These were his teammates for that game. This was starting lineup was Dante Cunningham. Omer Ashik, Norris Cole, and Dijon Jones. That was his starting five. Coming off the bench. Which one of those other guys is is a legit NBA player, would you say? None of them. We're 0 for 4. (laughs) uh, I mean, I agree. Then coming off the bench, Drew Holiday, who's been playing great lately. 
uh, and Ryan Anderson, who okay. went one for 12. Oh. Uh, Tony Douglas, who's been on almost every team in the league. I think there's five left. Alexis Ajinka. He, he was supposed to be something. Alonzo Gee. And, uh, wow. We've had him. And, uh, and the corpse of Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> Coach's decision, Luke Babbitt. That is an awful basketball team. It's an team. awful team. It's one of the I've worst been, teams. I mean, how do you put up a 59-20 with those teammates? I've been complaining about the talent deficit here in Washington and, and how, uh, you know, a little too much Ramon Sessions, uh, Garrett Temple, Otto Porter rotation for my liking. But what you just described, yeah, I mean, goodness gracious. I have a question. I know you're sick. Um I have very few goals in life, but here's one of them. I want everyone in the world to stop overpaying for good shaves. Are you overpaying for good shaves? Uh, probably. <laughs> Way to really sell it, huh? I yeah. buy those big. I buy. I have the Gillette with the um, with the double blades, and the the cartridges are like twenty five bucks. Yeah, that's terrible. So I would terrible. say the answer to that is yes. I'm overpaying for for good shaving. That sounds like you're overpaying. So the good I people, so. the good people at Harry's, they sent me a shaving kit a few months ago, and Uh-oh. I've been using their blades ever since. Close shave, no shaving cuts, none. Uh, everything I wanted because you know I get those little neck cuts. You do. You've yeah. been getting them since college. I know. Uh, why pay thirty two dollars for an eight pack of blades, which is what you're obviously doing? Yeah, uh, when you me. can get them for half the price at Harry's. The Harry's starter set is a fantastic deal. $15. You get a razor, you get moisturizing shave cream, you get three razor blades, and you even get $5 off your first order with promo code BS. Um, go to harrys.com right now, enter promo code BS at checkout. Your face will appreciate it. And as anyone who is in my life knows, I do not have those cuts on my neck anymore. Yeah, maybe I need to get some Harry's in my life. Harry's on my face. Remember Jack always used to have a joke about how it should be a television show to watch me shave because I'd put way too much (laughs) shave cream on my face. And then I'd cut my neck in seven places. There's your coughing fit. Yeah, yeah, there (sighs) it goes. Uh, So what do you – we got like 28 games. I had probably seven weeks left in the uh, NBA season. Um, Other than this Golden State thing, is there anything you're excited about? Do you like watching my Celtics? I think my Celtics are are turning into uh, a little bit of an America's team. Probably not. Maybe not. Maybe maybe I'm thinking about it too much. Definitely not. Um, you don't I'm very appreciate happy. you don't appreciate guts and hard work and good coaching. I, the good coaching is something that I definitely appreciate. They still they didn't address the problem that they um, have had for two years now, uh, and I don't I don't begrudge them not overpaying for somebody at the trade deadline, but they still have a crunch time scoring problem. Um, but I'm I'm very impressed. We were bullish on the Celtics before the season started. We both liked yeah, we're over win that 43 and a half or 44. We both loved that. And, you know, all credit to them. They play their asses off. Coach Stevens is, is terrific. They probably – he's a, probably like a plus five wins coach. Is there a stat out there? Is there a um, oh, wins think, above replacement for coaches? I think he's I think he's like plus six or seven. Yeah. yeah he has sure. to be. Hey, would you would you have traded the Brooklyn pick for Okafor? Yes, I think Definitely. I I think I would have too. Definitely, I think the Celtics wanted to as well. He can play. Yeah, I, I saw him live in San Antonio in November. I like him. Dirty secret: 
about uh, Okafer and the Celtics, but I can't believe Philly didn't do that. It just cut bait because you really uh, put that on the table. Oh, that was on the table. Oh, Philly. They, there was uh, on Friday. Ainge gave a radio interview and said uh, they had a deal for the Brooklyn pick. They thought, and then the other team backed out, and that it was Okafer. And I think Philly's. Why wouldn't they want the increased chance at Ben Simmons? Philly? Yeah. I, listen, I don't know. So, Two shots at Ben Simmons that way. Great, greatly enhanced the ping pong ball odds. So um, what, what that told me is that the Celtics don't like this draft. Huh. Because if you watch Ben Simmons, he just won't shoot. I mean, I want it to work. I think we can agree, though. That, that has everything to do with that situation. Now, he deserves to be criticized, he and whoever is in his corner, for choosing LSU. I mean, you know, I, I, I get that they wanted to do something unconventional. Oh, I was so scared but, when you said I get, because that could have gone in about 45 different directions. <laughs> he ended up on, um, a, on, a, on a team with, with a mediocre supporting cast and a really bad coach, like a Rick Barnes with Kevin Durant level bad coach, who just like you watch the games and you just get mad. I get mad every time I watch an LSU game. I stopped watching. After that, um, what was it, the LSU-Oklahoma game? That's it. I put it down. I said that I'm putting the remote down. I'm not watching LSU anymore this season. Somebody had a good piece. I, I'm sorry I, I can't give you the credit. I can't remember where I read it. About uh, how the last half of the lottery last year is actually better than this draft. Oh. How when you go from... Stanley Johnson, Winslow, Kaminsky, Miles Turner, Trey Lyles, Devin Booker. All those, guys, all those guys would, would, would be in the conversation for like top, top seven. Um, and, and with this draft, it's like Ben Simmons, who refuses to take jump shots anymore. Uh, Brandon Ingram, who's yep. like 14 years old. And then... Uh, I like his game, by the way. The Oklahoma tell, tell Tate to cover his ears. I like I like what I saw in that. Game. I know he went seven for twenty one against Carolina, but I I thought he had big balls. I liked I like Ingram's game. I like his game too, and I and it's might be in play now. Him versus Simmons, like Simmons probably isn't even going to make the tournament. You know, it, it, you still take Ben Simmons eleven times out of ten. I I, I think He's so. Dying for a coach. He's dying for a situation where he can learn some basketball. I hope he has the drive to go into a gym and shoot ten thousand jumpers a day. Would be my would be my hope. We had this conversation about Wiggins, and and it worked out okay. Did it? What do you mean? Did, did it? it? Wiggins is awesome. Is he? Yes, yes, he is. He's is he, awesome. Okay, is he really? See, I mean, Minnesota is. I like Minnesota. I do too. Why aren't they better? Why don't they win games? Because their coach and GM passed away at the beginning of the season. They put through them in a complete disarray. They have Wiggins and Towns on the same team. That's it. They shouldn't they win games every once in a while? I, I don't know how. They they also KG is a nice um, uh, veteran, you know, a mentor. They could have used another guy like that, Kevin Martin. I don't think fits the bill. Who could actually play? I really like Wiggins. It bothers me that his team doesn't win. I'm, I'm, you know, there's a little, dri- with it. there's a driftiness that he has that I also see with Ben Simmons, where on the flip side, you see somebody like Draymond, who's like 
Jay-Z is here. I'm going to I'm going to play out of my mind and I'm going to attack really DeAndre Jordan. Though. I don't I don't like that comparison. Draymond got drafted in the second round. You know, he okay. has, he's he's out there proving everybody wrong every single time he steps yeah, on the floor. Yeah. You're proving my point. Wiggins was the number one pick and Ben Simmons is going to be the number one pick. Who does he have to prove wrong? The best thing that could happen to Ben Simmons would, would be going second if some NBA team said, "You know what? Brandon Ingram's better than you." That'd be the greatest thing that ever happened to Ben Simmons. Instead, he's going to miss the tournament, and he's going to go first anyway, even though he won't shoot a jump shot anymore. Tate. All right, turn your mic on, Tate. Tate, you watch college basketball. Yeah, I do. Who would you take, Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram? Uh, I, would take, I would take Simmons just for upside. Just for upside? Just for upside and personality. Does he seem soft to you? Yes. Do you, fit, do you feel like he has the eye of the tiger when things are going wrong where he's like, all right, guys, get out of my way. I'm going to take this over. Not right now. Not yet. Does Ingram have that? Ingram wants to take the shot. Have you recovered from Duke beating North Carolina yet? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's been five days? Yeah. It's been, yeah, five days. Wednesday night. House, controversial uh, email I got Actually, I got two different readers emailed wondering why Tate was so upset that the Panthers lost the Super Bowl when he's a professed Jets fan. That is true. Wow. Tate, your response. My response is I, you know, I always did pull for the Jets, but I'm a Cam Newton fan first. That was my number one. That's my heart. It's my favorite athlete Sports in the world. Sports bigamy. It's a shame, House. It's a it's a shame. <laughs> the kids the kids these days. Kids these days. I don't know. Uh yeah, I think this is a bad draft. And this, and unfortunately, the Celtics have a top five pick and possibly another lottery pick from Dallas, and this might be the worst draft in a while. I'm bummed. I'm not ready to pronounce it a bad draft. Well, I did. I was exchanging emails with Chad Ford this weekend, who I've forgiven for appearing in the uh, trade value column. And uh, it this is right around the time when everybody just hates the draft, right? Yeah. Late February, yeah. everybody's just, yeah. oh, these guys suck. This guy sucks. This draft's That's awful. Right. And then it, and then it'll come around. We're going to see the tournament. We're going to see guys under the bright lights. I'm really psyched to see Buddy Heald. I, lo- I think Buddy Heald's got a lot of Dwayne Wade in him. I really think that he's going to be a tough SOB. I think he's got a go-to-the-rim aspect to him that he doesn't have to deploy in college, but that I think he'll be more than willing to go ahead and, and trot out in the pros. I- I'm very bullish on Buddy. I like Buddy, too. And uh, I like what I've heard about the Providence guard. Yeah, he's the other one that uh, that seems. But yeah, it's this is right around the time where you and I start watching a lot of college basketball, and we become enamored by certain. Like kids. we'll fall in love with with a half dozen guys. Yeah, I'm sure there's two guys on that that weird Kentucky team that'll end up being good too. Right. You just it's hard to say who. Um, all right, so you you would have traded the Brooklyn pick for Okafor. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah, I think I would have too. God, is he terrible on defense? So I was watching some of him last night. Well, that's where where Coach Stevens comes in. He might be a good stats, bad team guy. That might just be his destiny. It's impossible to say. He plays for the Sixers. He might be a like historically a historically bad team on a historically bad run. Hmm. Anything else? Did we cover everything? I'm gonna call Steppenwall. Nice TV with Steppenwall. Are we done? We got it all. I think. All right. Good. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Sass. Nice. Talk to you, boys. Uh, before we call on Sip and Wall, I want to discuss our friends at SoFi. It's a new wave company that's designed for the 21st century. 
unlike the big banks. Actually, because SoFi is not a bank, they can provide services and rates that the banks cannot. They won't judge you by your FICO score, but by your potential and by your promise. And they would absolutely, if they felt like it was warranted, back you for life. So if you've just invested in an emu farm, if you get your financial advice from fortune cookies, if you think 401k is an internet speed, if you see the lottery as a possible retirement plan, or if you're currently investing in a Nigerian prince, you definitely should not go to SoFi.com. But if you're, if you're interested in being backed by somebody who believes in your potential, I would go to SoFi.com. Discover why banks aren't the future of banking anymore. SoFi.com. Terms and conditions apply. NMLS number 112-1636. Again, that is SoFi.com. All right, as promised from HitFix.com, uh, one of the original pop culture guests we used to have on the old BS report on ESPN.com, and now he's here, Alan Sepinwall. How are you? I'm good, Bill. How you doing? Nice TV run right now. Some stuff's happening. TV. TV's looking good. TV's looking good. It's just there's too much of it, but, you know, that's that's a high-class problem to have. So give me your power rankings. Favorite show right now? Favorite show right now, probably Broad City. Broad City? What channel is that on? hilarious. What channel? Comedy Central. Oh. What was the one? What, Magic City was stars. Oh, um, yeah. Magic City <laughs> I got confused for a second. top of any power ranking. I'm old. Okay. So Broad City. How many seasons? How much do I have to catch up on? It, it's in the third season. They do 10 episodes a season. It's not much. It's really funny. It's these two actresses, Abby Jacobson and Alana Glazer. Um, they were doing a web series, and Amy Poehler found it and said, these two are hysterical. We should get them a TV show, and she produces it. It's it's really good. Uh, number two in the power rankings. Uh, hmm. Well, I mean, does the Triumph special count as a show or just a special? Because that's one of the best things I've seen lately. Yeah. <sighs> Probably a special. I almost wish they had split it up over three half-hour shows. It was it was too good. It was like having this nineteen-course dinner. That after nine courses, I couldn't eat anymore, and I kept stuffing my face. It was great. It was. I it was painful, but really, really good. Uh, let's see. So number two, if we're not counting that, uh, what the hell? I'm going to go with Horace and Pete, which is the Louis C.K. Uh, digital series he's doing. And how many episodes of that? There were there three and four in now. They're, they're four in now, and they release every Saturday. Nobody knows how many there are going to be. He doesn't tell anybody anything about it. They just sort of appear in your inbox on Saturday morning. Give us the background of uh, of this Horace and Pete thing, because there was no fanfare whatsoever. Didn't he release it on Saturday of the of the Super Bowl? Uh, I think so, yeah. Before? Suddenly I start seeing these tweets from people saying, did you know that Louis C.K. did a new show? And I, I didn't know what they were talking about. And I downloaded it. It's great. It's it Basically, it's like a series of filmed plays. It's him, Steve Buscemi, Edie Falco, Alan Alda, Jessica Lange, all hanging around in this dive bar in Brooklyn. Um, it's not really a comedy, although there's some funny bits in it. It's very serious, very stagey, and really good. And what what do you think was his motivation in doing this? Um, I think he just he wanted to try something he hadn't quite done. I know Louis is a big fan of TV and the history of TV. This feels a lot like a throwback. You know, in the 1950s, that's what TV drama was. They would just film plays like you know Requiem for a Heavyweight or Twelve Angry Men and things like that. Is it is this a sign that maybe the Louis FX show doesn't come back? 
The sense I'm getting is if it comes back, it's going to be a while because he, he doesn't have any ideas for it. I think he, he went through that last season really quickly, and the deal he has is it's the Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm deal is when he has an idea, he can do it, and when he doesn't, he doesn't. And right now, he certainly sounds a lot more jazzed about this. Right. How about American Crime? American Crime, I did a 180 on. I like I, I didn't finish the first season. Sort of admired it, but didn't like it. Felt the same way at the start of the second season, and then I kept going. And now that would be probably like third or fourth in these power rankings. It's it's incredible. I think it's been extraordinary this season. I liked last season too. I was into it, but I binge watched last season. I don't know if I would have liked it as much if I was just watching once a week. This season. Um, not to give too much away, just in case people haven't watched it. Um, we're not. We're going to try not to spoil any TV. Maybe if we spoil stuff, we'll do it at the end. But uh, the the character whose mom decides that something happened and that he was assaulted, and that's kind of the that's the rabbit hole that the whole storyline goes down. That character. I've become incredibly attached to and everything kind of culminated last week. And, and what I thought was my heart was pounding. Like I, I don't remember watching a TV show in a couple of years where I felt like my blood racing and I was really uncomfortable and unhappy. And um, it just was so well done. I was really impressed. No, that's exactly how I felt. Like I, I forgot to breathe for a little while there watching that episode. The, the actor playing the kid is Connor Jessup. He's amazing. And I think that's the difference I feel between this year and last year's. Last year, I could sort of admire everything it was doing, but I didn't feel connected to any of it. It felt more like, okay, this this is a thing about important issues, and here, like I think the, this kid and the other kid, Eric, ha- have really given the show a little bit more humanity and a b- bit more of an emotional connection, and now it messes me up the way The Wire used to. Yeah, and without giving too much away, the, the, the plot that happened with Eric in the last episode, I did not like. I, I actually didn't think they should have. I didn't think they should have done that but um everything that's going on with this other kid and i gotta be honest like i don't know who the top emmy contender is for this show and maybe network tv it's really hard to win i know regina king won last year but lily taylor was incredible in the in this last episode i think the kid is great and felicity huffman has finally found her destiny she's playing the most hateful character <laughs> i can remember and why other than out of like game of thrones but this is uh, this is like she's just finally mastered it. Hate this I person. I like that the character from season one and season two seems so different. Like that last year she was very poor. This year she's wealthy and polished, and yet she's the worst person on both seasons. That's yeah. hysterical. Yeah, she's she's good, and I the way they film it is really cool. It's distinct. Like they'll just keep yeah. the, keep uh, keep the camera on one character the whole time. It'll be a whole scene, three minutes, where it'll just be like one camera angle, and that's just like kind of one of the distinctions of how they do this series. And it's cool; it's different. It's kind of feels a little more intimate, like we're we're like voyeurs watching it or something. I mean, what, what's great about it is John Ridley, the guy who created it, he won the Oscar for writing Twelve Years a Slave, and he's been a writer for a long time. And it turns out he's a better director than he is a writer. I mean, it looks yeah. amazing. Yeah, Better Call Saul. You you love this show. Yeah, Better Call Saul, that would be you know, third or fourth there. That's that's a lot of fun. It came back last week, you know, second episode tonight, which I've also seen really good. Bob Odenkirk is just like a revelation. Like, we always knew he was funny, but he's a really good dramatic lead, too. Second season is better than the first season, I heard. 
I mean, it's early yet, but it feels like, you know, it's it's like with Breaking Bad. They know a little bit more about what they're doing and how to use all the characters and stuff. I mean, it's never going to be Breaking Bad because, you know, Saul can't be that kind of character, but it's I, it feels really confident so far. Girls came back last night. Big wedding. I, I, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It was It's just a show that just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder. It does feel like, um, is this the last season? No, next to last season. There, gotcha. There's going to be one more next year. So what did you think of that one? I thought it was pretty good, and I've seen the first four. I think they're good. It's just it's like Girls as a show, like there's because they're it started out, they were all 22, 23, and it's about that really specific time in your life. I feel like they're struggling a little bit with the fact that they're getting older and trying to be more mature, and, and that's giving them some material. But it's definitely it's less surprising, and it feels a little bit less specific than it did, but I still enjoy it a lot. It's funny. Yeah, that's a good point. The whole when they created the show, the whole point was that um it was like that time in your life, you're out of college, what the hell do I do next? And now all those people are in their late twenties. Yeah, and that's very different. Like, you know, Louie, he could keep doing episodes of that every ten years and it would feel like basically the same show, but there's such a huge difference between being twenty two and being twenty seven. One thing I really like about girls is how distinct the characters are and how there's enough of a history with them now where certain choices that are made make sense for what my history with the character is like when uh when Adam Driver's character when he makes a move on on Jemima Kirk it it's totally something that he would do right you're like I, like he's misreading the signals there's no way she would ever sleep with him and yet he kind of goes for it anyway because that's just what that character is he's a dumbass. It feels kind of it also feels like they sort of they don't know what to do with him because they don't want to lose Adam Driver because he's great and now he's Kylo Ren, but they, right. they don't know what else. So it's like we'll have him hook up with another girl. <laughs> but that it's not going to go anywhere, though. I don't think. I would yeah, be we, surprised. We'll see about that. Oh, oh no, you've seen episodes. I I uh, can't say. I, I'm just right. familiar with girls. All right, fair enough. Uh, how about love with Jillian Jacobs? Uh, I, I liked that a lot. I mean, it's sort of it, like Judd Apatow co-created it with some other people. And, you know, his movies always kind of run long. And so when you put them on Netflix and episodes can be whatever length that you want, you run into the problem. Like the first episode is 40 minutes, which is not a great episode, uh, length for a TV comedy. But after that, it gets really good. And Gillian Jacobs and Paul Russ, the two actors, have good chemistry together. And I, I raced through all 10 episodes of that in like two days. Well, Jed Apatow is my spirit animal because my columns were always too long. So I always feel like he's having the TV career I would have had. All my all my episodes would have been too long. She's is this? Would you call it a star making performance by her? I, mean, I guess in that I think some people know of her, but not a lot of people were watching Community. So and Netflix is the the flavor of the moment. So her being in the Netflix show is going to be a bigger deal than her being in a really low rated NBC show. And she's really good in this as a character who is such a hot mess. I think Apatow told me originally they were going to call this show Trainwreck, and then he decided to borrow the title for the Amy Schumer movie. But it applies almost even more here for her than it does for, for Schumer in the film. Where'd you stand on Casual? Oh, Casual. Um, I, I like that a lot. Michaela Watkins, the, the Hulu show. That's one that's weird because Hulu is the one streaming channel that doesn't release all the episodes at once, which for the most part I'm good with. But that show feels like it should be binged. Like I got, I had the screeners for all of it at once. And I think if I hadn't had four or five in a row, I would have stopped. But I kept going and she was fantastic. I, watched, I, I got late into it and binged it. And uh, you're right. It's better as a binge. It's 
I don't think waiting once a week for it would have been that helpful, but uh, she's great in it. And it, it, this really, this decade is really the era of like the flawed female character whose life is a train wreck in movies and TV. It just seems like that's the recurring character. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure why, but it's one of the reasons that I really appreciate Maggie Siff's character in Billions because she's not like that. Even though she, believe me, she has her own picadillos. <laughs> yes, she does. But at least she's not, you know, this kind of train wreck that she's going from point A to point B to point C, just trying to keep it all together for five minutes. She's, you know, in a in a pretty precarious position, handling it pretty well so far. What do you think of that show? Uh, I think she's the best thing on that show. I, I had a weird experience with that. Would again, like I get lots of these screeners all at once, so I'm binging things even if they're meant to air weekly. And because I had six of them, I went out starting like, okay, I'd like Damian Lewis, I like Paul Giamatti, I like Maggie Siff, but I don't know why I'm supposed to care about any of this or why Paul Giamatti cares about this guy versus six other guys. And then like I'd watch three or four of them, and then I just wanted to know what happened next. And so it's like it's a little bit like Stockholm syndrome. You spend enough time with the show, and you just start start to see its point of view. But I think she's great. Like a show that was about her, I would have liked. I think from the start, without reservations. My feeling I w- w- has there been five uh, or six? Maybe I've seen again five I've or seen six. six. So I lose yeah. track. It felt like last week's episode, and then the one that was on last night. The show kind of figured out what it was, and sometimes I wonder with these things. Because in spe- specifically, Damian Lewis, who plays uh, Axe, Bobby Axelrod, uh, <laughs> high-priced guy, high-priced billionaire, he's making moves. Uh, but he, f- it seemed like he finally figured out that character about four episodes in, and his performances in the last two episodes were really good. I, I finally felt like he wasn't Brody playing a billionaire. Well, the, the thing that sort of st- I struggled with a little bit is I always used to think he was the best of all the different British actors who they have coming over here and playing American. But it turns out it was because he doesn't – he usually doesn't play characters who talk a lot. And he talks a lot in this, and you can tell, like, oh, no, he's British trying to fake it. Um, yeah. And I think in the last couple episodes, he's been a little bit more mysterious as he's plotting moves and, and people have to guess what he's doing. And so maybe they figured out, too, like, let's not have this guy talk quite as much. I have a hot take though. I don't. I don't love Giamatti in this in this show. It's kind of cartoon Giamatti. It's like yeah. let's, let's get a Paul Giamatti type, but we'll just hire Paul Giamatti. It's like private parts Paul Giamatti. He's basically yep. play, he's pig vomit as a, as a district attorney. I, he could scale it back like about eighteen percent. And I also don't. I don't. I don't really want Paul Giamatti in in sex clubs and getting in SMN <laughs> scenes and stuff. Like, it's just not the part of Paul. I'd rather see him in a John Adams wig, just trying to read with with candlelight or something. Not really ready I mean, for the whips. where he lectures the guy about the dog poop that he didn't scoop. I mean, that that, is, that was pig vomit. You might as well have told him you know, to pronounce W and BC. Yeah, I, I, want, I don't know who I would have... I know you can't say no to Paul Giamatti. I, I just wonder... Was there a better person to cast in that role who maybe if you're going to have somebody's sexual dark side be that big of the character, then maybe Paul Giamatti is not the guy, you know, but I don't know who the guy is. I'd, I'd have to think about it, but it would it would have to be somebody. It's the same problem I had with Eyes Wide Shut. 
where for for different reasons, but Cruz and Eyes Wide Shut, I never felt like Cruz had this mysterious sexual dark side that he was ready to explore parties because he was Tom Cruise. You know, you're not yeah. with me. Uh, no, I've just never seen Eyes Wide Shut. Oh no, really? <laughs> you know, it's uh, me and Kubrick. We have sort of an ambivalent relationship. Oh, all right. Well, I I think Billions is. It's just, it's an enjoyable hour, you know? It's, it's, stuff happens. People are rich. Guys are yelling at each other. There's an S&M club. <laughs> it's, it's a lot going on. I'm also fascinated by uh, the office, like Axe, Axe Capital or whatever it's called. They have this huge screens with the, I can't decide if it's too nice of an office or not nice enough for considering how much money they're making. But, uh, but that's probably, that's the biggest Showtime hit we've had, right? Other than the Homeland, um, not ever. I mean, Dexter and Homeland were were really big hits for a while, and I think Shameless might be doing a little bit better than Billions right now. But they're they're both doing well, and they're doing better than Vinyl is for sure. Really, Dexter is doing better than Billions was. No, Dexter was like a big hit. That's why that ran forever, and he became a lumberjack at the end because it was too successful to just end when the story should end. Oh, I never knew Dexter was a hit. No, Dexter was a huge hit. That's why it ran that many seasons. Oh, like wow. that's the defining hit of Showtime. Wow. Well, the Lithgow season was fantastic. I still stand it by was. the Lithgow season. The rest of it has not aged well. It's not. If you see, <laughs> it uh, it may, it definitely ran too long. Where where do you stand on vinyl? How many have you seen? I've seen either five or six. I'm mixed on it. There are parts of it I like a lot. There are parts of it that just make me roll my eyes and think, like, okay, I've seen this ten million times in either Scorsese movies or other cable dramas. You know, of the last ten, fifteen years. But, you know, Cannavale's really going for it. When they do the music scenes, they're incredible. Uh, I like Juno Temple a lot. And so I'm sort of and, – and Terry Winter, the guy who co-created it, did Boardwalk Empire. And that was a show that was always better by the end of the season than the start. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, when we get to 10, I'll feel like, okay, that was vinyl. That made sense. People versus OJ is everything I've ever wanted from a pop culture <laughs> experience. Um, peaking with Malcolm Jamal Warner is uh, AC Cowling's. I did not like the third episode. Uh, now I'm worried that they have you seen all of them? I've seen six. How many? And are it there? gets better as it goes along. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Well, how do you feel about the Kardashian stuff? I know why they did it. I, I, you know, having lived through it as you did, the the Kardashian it was never that big of a part of the whole thing. I mean, he was there for the first part of it, but I never remember really thinking about him that much i mean who was the one that lost kind of his social standing that was shapiro right yeah you know, shapiro I, struggled with that a little bit yeah i mean I, I just felt like he was so much more integral to the whole oj story the, the, but I mean, I mean not so much bob kardashian but the fact that like he takes the kids out to to father's day brunch and lectures them about fame and they don't get it like the the show keeps bringing on little baby chloe and little baby I Kim. no i know it's i I know why they're doing it. It's annoying. I can't say I dislike it, though, because anytime they're all in a scene, I get kind of excited. And I love when Schwimmer was like, oh, don't talk about your Uncle Juice that way. And just Schwimmer Uncle saying Juice Uncle is Juice is incredible. Uh, and probably what we should have named The Ringer. We, I, If I had to do it over again, I would have called it UncleJuice.com. But, uh, <laughs> but um, Schwimmer's been, Schwimmer's been everything I wanted. 
He's my MVP through three episodes. I, every Schwimmer scene makes me laugh. He's really, as you, as you said about Carnival, he's, Schwimmer's really going for it for some reason. I don't know why. He made $200 million from Friends. I don't, I don't totally get what, it, what, why the, why this is a, a big thing for him, but I think he thinks it is, which I enjoy. Cuba Gooding is ludicrous as OJ. He's just ludicrous. He's a good seven inches smaller than OJ was, and not physically imposing in any way. Who would you have, who would you have cast as OJ? Well, I'm trying to think who's the right age and the right size because I mean OJ, like you say, he was a, he was a god. He was tall. He had a much deeper voice than Cuba Gooding. Uh, Cuba's not a good casting choice other than a vaguely high-profile guy who was willing to do it. Uh, but you know, you know who's great in it and who you're going to get a lot more of starting this week's episode is Courtney B. Vance as Johnny Cochran. Oh, great! Yeah, he he feels like the Emmy candidate out of out of everyone. Sarah Paulson's been really him good. Him and Sarah too. Paulson are the two best things in the miniseries. Don't you think Dennis Haysbert, like 13 years ago, would have been a great OJ? Yeah, but now he's much too old to he's do it. He's too old now, but I'm saying that's who they they needed whoever 2016's Dennis Haysbert is. Big, physically imposing, a little bit quiet, but looks like he might snap, but he also has the ability to be very congenial. Um, I don't know who that actor is. It's It's... One of, I think, Fennessy said Morris Chestnut would have been interesting as well, OJ. Well, Ricky was always the the bigger of the two friends. Right. So. Yeah, because he had football legacy and all that stuff. Uh, la- <laughs> you you like the grinder. I do. What, is this the one with Rob Lowe or the one with Stamos? No, no. Grandfather is the one with Stamos. Grinder is Rob Lowe and Fred Savage. And I, I mean, part of it is just I'm so damn glad to have Fred Savage back acting. He's he's a good comedy director and, you know, you know, more power to him for doing that for so long. But I watch him in this and I just watch him getting frustrated with Rob Lowe being Rob Lowe. And he's so funny. And I'm just so glad that he decided to do it again. Did uh, last question. I stopped watching Walking Dead. Did I make the right choice? Absolutely. Okay. What went it's, wrong? It's, fi- it's fine, but there are so many other shows out there that are better than it that anyone who wants to walk away from it, I do not blame you in the slightest. Is it fair to say that they did the Jersey Shore thing where they just had a great thing and they just they just went for it and overproduced episodes and tried to extract as much as they possibly could out of it, but long term it hurt the show? Uh, I mean, the comic book's still going, and the comic book's still hit, and they still keep drawing storylines from it, and the ratings are huge. But uh, it feels like the the best stuff they always do is when they do their own thing and don't copy from the comic, and they're they're doing less and less of that as the years go on. So, so yeah, are, the, the, are the ratings the source material's not great? Are the ratings still as big as they were? Or are they going down? They're down a little bit, but it's still huge. Like anyone else in television would weep to have a show this successful. Yeah, maybe I'm overthinking it. I just, it, it's too bleak. I've seen enough zombies get killed. I've seen enough machetes go through heads, and I've seen enough gunshots to the forehead, and I've seen enough, hey, let's go to the hardware store. No, we shouldn't. No, let's go. And then, oh, my God, there's zombies there. I don't know how many times you can do it. Were you watching in the fall even? I, that's when I, they started piling up on the DVR. There should be a name for this. When you get all of a sudden there's three shows in the DVR and it's almost like you know you're going to break up with the show, but you don't want to tell the show yet. And then there's like those two extra ones that end up on the DVR and then finally you delete it from the season pass. That's that's 
where I ended up last fall. DVR remorse, something like that. Yeah. We, we, we can come up with something. There's something where you just go. But yeah, no, eh. that's an absolute thing. Yeah. Because like billions, two of them piled up on my DVR and I, I kind of reached a breaking point of I, I could bail right now. And I'm like, eh, kind of want I, I like Axe. <laughs> What's going on with Axe? <laughs> it's a great name. Axe Capital. Uh, anything you're looking forward to coming out in the next week, two weeks, month, whatever? Um, I'm trying to think what I mean. We we sort of just went through the big um, the big surge of premieres, but let's. I'm just looking at my notes here coming up. Throne, uh, Thrones is coming. Game, well, Game of Thrones we still have a while till, but Americans is coming back next month. That's still one of the best shows on TV, so I'm psyched about that. Um, but yeah, Thrones. This will be the first year where there's no book, so everyone's in the same boat, which I'm looking forward to. All right. Alan Seppenwald, check him out on hitfix.com, as always. Oh, last thing. Uh, are you are you upset they didn't trade trade Mello or no? Mello doesn't want to be traded. I, I wish he wanted to be traded. It would be so much better for the Knicks, for him, for everybody. Mello likes New York. Lala likes New York. And maybe if, they're, maybe if Kurt Rambis is as bad a coach as he seems to be so far— the season will end so badly that Mello will finally agree to be traded because it's it's not working out here, and he's too old uh, in terms. This is Porzingis' team now, and you need to build around him and not around a thirty-two-year-old guy with bum knees. Mm. Yet again, more bleak times for the Knicks. It just never ends. At least you have Porzingis. Well, no, no, we have Porzingis. Yeah, so we have Porzingis. Eventually, things will be okay. It's just not now. Now it's terrible. Yeah. All right, Alan Seppenwall, thank you. Thanks, Bill. Thanks to SoFi.com for sponsoring today's show. Unlike the big banks, SoFi is designed for the 21st century. They're progressive, nimble, and innovative. They can provide services and rates that the banks cannot. If you're looking for a financial partner designed for the 21st century, visit SoFi.com. Terms and conditions apply. NMLS number 1121636. Thanks to HBO Now. You don't need cable or satellite to watch HBO anymore. Download the HBO Now app and start your free one-month trial today. Thanks to SeatGeek the presenting sponsor of the BS Podcast and Channel 33. Don't forget to follow The Ringer on Twitter, at Ringer. And don't forget to subscribe to our upcoming newsletter at theringer.com. More announcements to come this week on The Ringer. Stay tuned for those, and we will see you later in the week on the BS Podcast. Enjoy Monday. We are about this bitch. Anytime y'all want to see me again... Rewind this track right here, close your eyes, and picture me rolling.